Welcome to Beyond the Field Podcast, your weekly dose of finance, property, and epic people doing epic things powered by the team at Money Empire. Get informed and entertained with the coolest cats in the business. Welcome back to the Beyond the Field Podcast. I'm here with Sanj, my partner in crime, and today often we talk a lot about finances and mental health and mental well-being, and today we have Tai Tupo here from I Am Hope. Welcome, brother. Hey, kia ora. Um, just to keep things nice and light before we really dive in, um, I really just want to chuck you five quick-fire questions. Um, if you could drive any car the length of New Zealand, what would it be? Oh, jeez. What a trick question. Probably like a Cadillac. Oh. Yeah, it'll get a lot of attention. Nice, nice. <laughs> yes, you would. Yeah. Um, if you could fly or have the supersonic speed, what would it be? Fly. Man, you're getting me here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to be like Superman. You know, you can fly anywhere with, with that kind of speed. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, what is your favorite holiday of the year? Uh, like public holiday? Yeah. Uh, probably the one at the end of the year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the longest. <laughs> nice. If you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? It definitely be hands down KFC. Everyone oh, knows that. KFC. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I love it. And lastly, if you could live anywhere around the world for one year, where would it be? Uh, probably like Italy. I love that place. Oh, nice. It's yeah. unreal. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Hey, just to start off for all our listeners, Ty, do you just mind um, giving us sort of a background and upbringing and where you were raised and what school you went to? Yeah, cool. Uh, Talofalava, my lo lava soi fu mo, my langi mama. My name's Ty. Uh, I was born and raised out in West Auckland, uh, Teatatu, uh, South. I went to Waitakere College. Before that, I went to uh, Rangeview Intermediate. So I'm a proud uh, Westie, uh, if you'd call it. Uh, family? Uh, yeah, so I've got um, obviously my mum and dad and I've got two younger siblings but like most uh, Pacific Islanders, um, our siblings are far reach, our immediate family so I've probably got ten all up um, including the ones that I was raised with. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You you um you look like a, a cricketer. You look like a fast bowler. That's not obviously not. What's yeah. What's your sporting prowess? Well, once upon a time, yeah, I was a fast bowler. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I've played um, a little bit of rugby and league um, here and um, abroad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's. Um, I think you're born to to do these things. Um, some of us are good. Some of us, yeah. Not, not, not so good. Do, do you want to elaborate on that? About your, <laughs> not, not the, I'm, I'm part of the not so good. But, uh. <laughs> um, tied to sort of, well, so we can rip in. You're you're the lead ambassador for I Am Hope, and uh, you and I attended a um, awesome lunch with the Irish Business Network um, before the All Blacks and Irish Test in um, Maris Rugby Club. Um, can you just give us a, a background of about your role and what you do and everything around I Am Hope? Uh, so pretty much our main focus uh, at I Am Hope is um, societal attitudinal change around mental health. Um, majority of our uh, work is based in the youth space. Uh, so pretty much um, what we do is we go into schools, uh, communities and uh, talk to people about the biggest problem in mental health today. And the biggest problem in mental health today is an overactive inner critic. It's the conversations we have with ourselves every single day. And if you think about it, you'd never let anybody talk to you the way you talk to yourself. Um, so we're normalizing these kind of conversations with young people because if you think about it, like 
if we as adults are still having these conversations, imagine the inner critic that's inside of them. But the inner critic that's inside of them is born from us because the way we talk to our kids and our young people will become their inner critic and their inner voice. So uh, we drive that conversation. And so far over the last uh, nine years, coming up to 10 years, uh, we've spoken to close to maybe half a million young people face-to-face directly um, on the ground. And then obviously we do other things like community corridors. We speak in um, businesses and things like that to try and bridge the gap between adults and young people. But that's kind of like a overview and and tell me how how did your journey in particular lead you to i am hope yeah i um first connected with uh, mike king who's the founder uh, about nine years ago um and i've been there since the beginning and um for some reason i've been fired about four or five times but i'm still there (laughs) Um, and uh yeah so my my main thing is obviously um on the ground um so i lead our team of ambassadors that go into schools but Um, I kind of stumbled on it uh, when I was younger. Um, I started a a boot camp business uh, years ago, uh, about 10 years ago. And uh, when I first started, I uh, found out about Mike and what he was doing. And he only just come out about his story um, on live radio. He did talk back back then. And um, I sent him a message online and I said, hey, look, um, pretty cool what you're doing. And uh, I'd really be keen to get involved i'm not sure if i can back you like financially because i just started and all that kind of stuff but happy to help you know wherever so he said oh look you know i'm going on the road next week for the first time uh if you want to come i'll pick you up uh we'll go up north i never met the guy before i thought it was a little bit creepy um (laughs) you know and uh and i agreed and uh yeah so we went on the road for a week uh, and I listened to him share his story uh, probably uh, for three days straight, um, back to back in communities and schools. And then we're at a community kōrero in Whangarei, and someone asked the question about uh, how do young dads that have never uh, been fathered or had a father figure role model in their life um, become good dads? And I kind of jumped up um, out of the blue. I answered the question. And uh, it was crazy because uh, most people um, that were there, uh, they got surprised because they thought I was his bodyguard. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not too sure why they were surprised. Why were they surprised? And then, um, yeah, and then I guess the rest is history. And uh, wow. we, we spent the early years, um, probably two to three years, I'm um, touring together. Um, and I guess I learned the craft of speaking from him. Yeah. And, and kind of from there, I kind of molded into my own and uh, we share our own personal stories uh, and for some reason it connects with young people and and it's still working now and um, I know I'm not going to be kind of youngish or coolest uh, you know for for long but uh, it's about getting the next line of young people to I guess take over the throne and um, carry on the the mission I guess. And you've you've got your own kids so so we're we're along the journey um, did your thoughts sort of change with with your own kids? Um, for me, I, I'd like to say that uh, because of my upbringing, uh, it took me probably like 10 years to kind of 
figure a lot of things out because you know I, I say to people every day like I, I grew up in a culture where you only speak when you're spoken to mm-hmm. so you know there's that uh, hierarchy system when you're growing up of uh, you have your adults at the top they're like your authorities all that kind of stuff and then in the middle you have your your older siblings and your older cousins and then at the bottom uh, was me so no one ever asked if I, if I was okay they never asked my opinion on things so I guess my um understanding of communication um i didn't have any Mm -hmm. until probably like my mid-20s um and until i started uh speaking and sharing my journey i realized that uh there was an opportunity and there 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 was something there for me to learn how to communicate better because um beginning i I didn't actually know Mm -hmm. know? but if i take you back to that um that phone call or whatever you made to my king what attracted you to the role in the first place and has that changed over the last few years uh i i think i just wanted to help like right. i i honestly i i share a story uh, most days of not knowing what mental health was until i was 22 years old yeah. so um i was on my own journey of discovery and yeah. something i don't know like light bulb moment happened and i made that connection and, and it was through twitter um i slid into his dms and you know back then twitter was cool and um <laughs> I, I was surprised that uh he was going to get back to me and he right. did yeah. and then it kind of happened really fast and uh i mean in terms of where i was then and where i was now i i, I think for me now it's uh it's I guess the profile has grown, uh, my role has grown, and obviously the audience has grown as well because back then it was mainly young people, whereas now, um, you know, I'm communicating to uh, business people, uh, people on the ground, politicians, uh, you name it, you know, I'm, I'm talking to the majority of them. So you guys um, work very closely with the DHBs um, and the government agencies alike, or are you generally... Uh, very independent uh i'd like to say that you know the way we look at things is it doesn't matter who's doing it as mm-hmm. long as someone's doing it and i think we try to connect with as many people on the ground as possible because my whole thing is like we've got everyone trying to do the same thing yes but imagine if everyone came together yeah would literally like transform this country like just like that yeah but the problem is i guess when it comes to things like uh government agencies and things like that there's funding there's money mm-hmm. and like anything as soon as you throw money on the table you know it causes problems everywhere mm-hmm. um producer bailey <laughs> Um, so just a question probably from a New Zealand perspective. Do you think, because hearing what you're talking about with your Samoan family, I'm not Samoan, I'm not Polynesian, so I don't know uh, a lot about the workings of that culture, but um, have you, I know about Victorian culture and how you don't speak when you're spoken to and how that has impacted a lot of people. Do you find that perhaps even colonialism has impacted a lot of people of colour? Have you found that... Yeah, like uh, I, I honestly think so because I mean, you know, every time I share that, I, I guess I'm sharing it from a cultural experience, but I also understand that uh, it's pretty, um, it's pretty normal kind of behaviour that's been, you know, it's it's inside of us now because of, like for example, um, 
you know, fathers and grandfathers that went to the war and came back and didn't talk to their kids and that kind of carried mm-hmm. on into like our generations and then I guess the way things are now where we're kind of coming out of it and trying to change things now, but definitely 100%, yeah. How much How much has changed? How's the, how, how, how big has the dial moved in the last 10 years for you guys? Uh, I'd like to say that um, a lot has changed, but at the same time, I think it's more just like positive disruption now yeah. in terms of making people understand that uh, – we can't carry on promoting the same messages that we have in the past because it it doesn't work. You know, like for example, we're telling people that are struggling, uh, if you are struggling, to reach out for help. But the reality of that is you're asking the person that's struggling to do all the work to get to the help. But it doesn't make sense, you know. So I guess for, for us or, or for me, uh, my whole drive is about I'm not, talking to people that are struggling i'm talking to people that are doing well because if you're doing well right now you have every responsibility to reach in and, and talk to these people that aren't having a good time and people are always asking what's the signs what's all this but we all know people that are close to us we know when they they change and that's the perfect opportunity for us to step in and be like hey i notice um you know you're not doing this anymore or doing that or you've gone a bit quiet or you know that's a perfect opportunity for us to step in so my thing is like uh instead of um, waiting for this miraculous thing to happen where people that are struggling are going to reach out let's um, reach in and actually change the environment because the reality is is the reason why they aren't asking for help is because of us yeah yeah May you, um, Isa talked about moving the dial. I'm, I'm sure over time, you know, with your amazing charity you guys yeah. have done, you've moved the dial. Mm. But in your own opinion, have we moved the dial enough? Mm. Um, or wh- what does it look like if you have? Um, I think if we're talking about moving the dial, I think in terms of awareness, um, the dial's like gone, has moved heaps. Mm. Um, and awareness is awesome. And I guess where a lot of my kind of uh, content is moving to now is when we first started, it was all about awareness, but now it's all about action. You know, it's good to be aware, but, you know, whether we're actioning these things like being kind and all these kind of things, that has significant um, shift in someone's mental health. So I I honestly believe that once you know better, we've got to kind of do better. And I think at the moment, like it's cool, like heaps of awareness, but we definitely need to apply more action. Yeah. And is that why you get into sort of schools and primary schools mm-hmm. and, and initiate these talks earlier um, to sort of be proactive and giving people one the information and also to try and help them before they get there? Because jeepers, I didn't talk about mental health, mental illness, or mental skills when I was at um, secondary school and primary school. Yet now we see it. Um, Kids at a younger age being, you know, thrown sort of mental mental mm. health and and is taught, sort of talking about issues. So, do you see the positive impacts going into schools at a younger age? Yeah, like hundred percent, man. Like everything starts from there, mm. you know. And I honestly believe that 
um, we're in the most amazing generation of young people ever, you know, in terms of like the access they have to things, you know, like um, seeing um, kids having iPads at school, seeing them having access to all these things online. Um, the closest we got to online was um, when we we're trying to download uh, songs on LimeWire that took like a whole day just to get one song, you know. <laughs> but Shout out to Chad Slade out in Seattle who used to do the downloading for me. <laughs> you know, then chuck it on a CD and that'll take a half a day as well. Yep. But, um, you know, for, for us, like, we believe that, you know, the future is in them. And, you know, say if we've been on the ground now for coming up to 10 years, um, if we do maybe another five or 10 years, we won't truly see the impact of mm. that until then, uh, because they're going to be tomorrow's audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they become politicians, when they become um, CEOs of these companies, they're going to change things forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly think that there's not much the generation now can can do but the next generation they'll shift it like huge like mm. you can already tell um what social media the impact of that has had and a lot of the other various things online because it's fully transformed uh, mental health you 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 just said it sort of social media and your inner critic and this chase for perfectionism like what do you see out there yeah. and how does this actually impact people I think in terms of a young people's perspective or anyone's perspective is that we're not getting validation from the places that we want to get it from. Mm. So then we go to the biggest city in the world to find it. And the biggest city on the world is online, you know. So you go up there and whether you agree or not, you're you're fishing for, for something, you know. Uh, and I mean, if it wasn't for work, I honestly wouldn't be on social media. Uh, but that. The reality is, is it, it's it can change things um, huge. You know the the impact we have on there, but the reality is, is all you see is uh, you know people fishing for for compliments, fishing for for bait, you know mm-hmm. likes and all these kind of things. But it, if we're not validating people in the workplace, in schools, at home, in our relationships. Uh, then they're going to turn somewhere else for it. So it's just a reality. Mm-hmm. Here's a curly one. Uh, I don't know whether there's a sort of a direct answer, yeah. but where does the real change come from? As in, is that, is that the families? Is that the, you know, the kids or whoever it is itself? Is it the communities? Is it schools? Where does the real, um, if you have to sort of draw a line on the sand and say the real change comes from somewhere, yeah. where would that be? I, I honestly believe that... Uh, the real change will happen in your own um, circles because if you think as in communities families yeah 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 Yeah. so definitely like so you know like we we started this campaign a few years ago called target zero and the whole thing was about targeting zero suicides and obviously we had a lot of counter arguments people saying that this is not realistic and uh, we're and we kind of fought back and said give us a target that's realistic Um, and you'd get no reply but the reality was what we were trying to pitch was that if you look after your family uh, you look after your work colleagues you look after your sports teams you look after all these people in the close vicinity and make a deal make a pact that no one's going to take their life um, while they're while while you guys are together Mm. uh and if you do go on this journey and you do struggle in life then i'll be that person so each person has you know it's like if the fire goes off in this building 
we're going to walk out there and there's going to be two people with hivers on because we already know that there's people nominated to do these roles yeah. and there's nothing to say that we can't do that with our own communities and if we all did this collectively in our little circles before you know it man we could 100% get to zero um, oh. for sure why is it so hard for people to ask for help uh, I mean th- there's, there's honestly probably three reasons why people don't ask for help you know people are worried about what you think um, worried about what you're going to say and what you're going to do with the information so if if people are caught up in, in that whole worry cycle uh, the reality is is they won't ask for help and for a lot of young people in our schools today 80% of them they will never ever ask for help ever 40% of them um, they'll have a suicidal 40% of kids in our school today uh, they'll have a suicidal thought before they leave school Wow! and what most people are worried about is the 40% but the reality is, is I'm more worried about the 80% of them that will never ever ask for help mm. and what we're seeing and we have seen for so many years now is that people are finding it easier uh, to take their life than ask for help so what we need to do is we need to change what's happening on the ground and the people that are impacting mm. these people because if we've got more people that are doing well mm. then they can impact these people that are not doing so well so i've got a question i'm i'm, I'm sure we know the answer yeah. to this but i'm gonna ask anyway um let's say even let's say people do ask well for for help and so on no mm. i'm not talking about your families and yep. communities but when you go out to the hospitals and things and so on we don't have enough support right yeah um enough qualified people enough resources is that am i right to say that yeah i mean i hear this like argument all the time about shortage of staff and that i mean we've got a platform called gumboot friday and on there it's like a free kids counseling service across all of new zealand there's over 700 counselors on there um i think the big issue is probably more like the process side of things because like look at it this way like through gumboot friday uh you can you can access a counselor within a week wow uh whereas through the public system uh it's anywhere from six weeks to 26 weeks uh Mm. that's minimum um so you for example you you know someone comes into the hospital they say hey look you know i've been having these bad thoughts i want to take my life all these kind of things the first thing they're going to get asked is have you tried Mm. and if you say well no that's why i'm here um then they can't help you that's just the reality you know so um it's it's definitely a process thing and and that's why i honestly believe it comes back to um you know the inner critic and um normalizing these things and letting people know that the number one rule of mental health is nobody's actually got their shit together yeah 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 um i obviously came from a, a bit of a sporting background and 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 the the pressures that go along with sport and i know we talked about it briefly at the lunch but is that just are those pressures real and do we see those sort of pressures from sort of family into professional sports we deal with a lot of sports people and their finances and there's always pressures um left right and center every way they come you know so as if you have you come across sort of that sort of mentality um traveling around new zealand with the people in sports circles actually i'll add to that if you don't mind um is um is it more prevalent now, mental health issues, than let's say I don't know ten years ago, yeah. or is it 
we see it more now because there's more awareness. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, you know, I, I talk to a lot of the high-profile sports people here in New Zealand and overseas, and it's. I think that the thing is now is they're a lot more outspoken, yeah. and obviously there is a lot more awareness now, so um, they tend to um, communicate more um, behind the scenes. Um, a lot of sporting establishments or organisations, they have their people that they go to, but a lot of it's like, kind of in-house to try and shut it down um, whereas I'm more like an external person and and my thing is with a lot of them is just going back to the basics of where it all started mm. you know and a lot of it for example for me um, you know I grew up wanting uh, a pat on the back from my old man I wanted mm. him to say that he was proud of me and that he loved me he cared uh, and because he didn't know how to say those mm. things I thought he didn't care you know and then you take that into um your i guess other side of teenage years moving into you know uh, a young adult you're you're still trying to figure it out and for a lot of these young sports people they've gone from no money to they're seeing like four five hundred k in their bank account you know and for a lot of other athletes that i've spoken to as well uh the ones that the families they weren't well off beforehand uh now they're making it not just for them, but mm-hmm. for every, for everyone that's behind them. So they're not necessarily providing for them. They're providing for all of these guys. And, and now there's so much more pressure. Yeah. And then that's why I guess they go through their career and they're just bleeding money um, left, right and center mm-hmm. because there's so many people to look after, mm-hmm. you know. Look, rugby's we've talked about on this podcast um, before, and it's such a the dominant sport in New Zealand. Um, but for fifteen years, I was programmed to be a robot yeah. and to not show weakness, yeah. to not share emotion, to block it out, to be a poker face. Um, all you still do. I still do it. Uh, my face. wife tells me uh, I've got to get out of that mindset regularly. Um, but for so long, we're conditioned to not show any of that in the pursuit of winning. But then eventually, sport stops yeah. and life sort of starts again. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, but it's real. Like the, yeah. the, the pressures of sport are real. Um, and, you know, I guess that's why so many people that transition or people that tra- transition out of uh, professional sports struggle so much. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And I, I honestly believe that, uh, especially to do with men, it's because, for example, we don't invest anything into ourselves. You know, we invest everything into our partners, into our kids, into everything outside of us uh, to try and keep that area of our life happy that by the time we do finish up we've got nothing inside uh and it's not only just for sports it's, it's also for everyday people uh and when you don't invest inside of you yourself um that day will come knocking and you're going to wake up and be like man i've got the house i've got the kids i've got this and it's just empty mm-hmm. you know and that's why I try and encourage, um, you know, men especially all the time that we've got to put the work in for ourselves. And it's not a selfish thing. It's like the reality that we need to look after her in here. And once we take care of there, um, we can give our best in anywhere else. Yeah. Well, one thing we talk about here quite often uh, <clears throat> around the correlation between mental health and, um, and financial health. 
um, when you're financially struggling and you can't pay your bills, you can't you know um, you know feed your kids and so on. Surely that has an impact on your mental health as well. Have you come across mm. that? Oh, one hundred percent, man. You 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 just have to look at the stats to understand that. And uh, if you think about, say, for example. Um, the highest stats when it comes to uh, men taking their lives especially it's kind of around that um, 40 to 50 kind of range and a lot of it's to do with um, broken marriages Mm -hmm. failed businesses and the fact that they've kind of fallen into this hole and then because they've lived a lifestyle for a certain amount of time now they're digging an even deeper hole to maintain that lifestyle uh, because they don't want to let people down and I've talked to um, men all the time that have gone a year to two years uh, and their wives don't even know that they've lost their jobs or you know wow. they've, they've sunk that much in the deep um, because of these things because they don't want to let them down yes. because society's taught men that they only have two um, purposes in life and one is to provide and one is to protect mm-hmm. and if you can't do either one of those or both what's your purpose of being here See, that's a really good point eh? because um, you know we, we talk about people don't ask for help people people don't talk about mental health issues mm-hmm. and I believe that that's the case with financial issues as well people don't want to because it's almost like you feel like you're weak or you're yep. you know you haven't looked after your family or yourself yeah yeah, hundred percent, and and that's the whole thing is, uh, if if you feel like you can't provide, mm. uh, then automatically you're already in that mindset. You failed. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. You know, like whereas things are changing now. You know, like for example, like my my partner, she makes like quadruple more than I could ever. You know, <laughs> <laughs> she she owns like three businesses and. Yeah. Like luckily, like my ego is not that big to like you know <laughs> to, to get cut down. But yeah. you know, like I know every day, and I yeah. say to her, like most days, uh, you know, the day I come home and there's a Mercedes G wagon in the driveway, <laughs> I know, hey, I'm ready. I don't have to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Man, is there is there a stigma around sort of therapy, um, especially for like men and reaching out for health? House help? Yeah, uh, yeah, there, there, there is, there is, man, there is. Uh, honestly, it's I say to dudes every every day. Like I was talking to a, a professional athlete just recently in France, and they were talking to me about like, man, I've talked to my wife about this, and but for some reason, I I just can't, you know, see myself going to see one. Mm. And I said to him like. You do all this training for your body, speed, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff, and you get, hire all these personal trainers and all that kind of stuff to come into your home to do all of that. I said, this is a personal trainer for your mind, yeah. and your mind's the most strongest thing you can have. I said, as soon as your mind goes off, all those other trainers are going to be useless to you. So I said, it's pretty much a personal trainer to your mind, and you talk to any uh, high-profile player now that's uh, constantly succeeding, um, they all have their own personal psychologist. They all have uh, people that are in their corner, just as important as their strength and conditioning coaches, all these kind of stuff, because they know the the value of um, having a clear mind and anybody that does succeed um, they succeed because of their mind they can switch on and off yeah. uh, they know how to operate in different settings and, and different places so mm. it's we, we definitely need to change that and it should be as normal as saying hey I'm going to the gym tonight mm. you yeah. know yeah. But do, have you found that one particular part of society 
is more vulnerable to to mental health or maybe it could be age group maybe it could be um, I don't know uh, proficient mm. it, it, or, or is it just widespread around the whole whole of society yeah oh it definitely is man like one one thing that uh, we've realized with the school side of things like I've spoken at the most you know richest schools in New Zealand uh, to the you know so you high decile to low decile it's the same thing across the board mm. uh nothing changes it's not money it's not race it's not where you're from it's not all these kind of things that i guess the stats and that showcases because they make it um a problem for specific uh you know areas or a specific race where mm. you know whenever i talk to people i said well it's not a maori problem it's not a pacific problem it's an actual new zealand problem yeah you know and if you looked at it um you know from a distance uh, you looked at the stats and like Christchurch for example the Canterbury region they have the highest um, uh, suicides across all of New Zealand out of any region wow but no one would know that no yeah. way that's phenomenal yeah um, wow. any any great uh, role models or, or stories success stories that um, you could tell us about um, for, for me like most people that get to hear about my journey uh they hear about a guy named elliot and uh he was a guy that came into my life when i had absolutely no uh opportunity uh and i honestly thought that it was the end of the road for me Mm -hmm. uh you know i when i was 22 i found out that my dad who was my idol growing up uh he was everything to me uh he i found out at 22 that he wasn't my real dad and uh it was because of a function that I had um, gone to and I met this random dude there and he started talking to me about my dad and uh, and then I quickly realized that this guy was telling me something, ended up telling me this thing and then I had to go back and uh, find out from my family that it was true. Uh, and then that kind of started my whole journey through mental health and for three years I was battling with the inner critic and it got to those dark days and those dark uh, thoughts and one day uh, I was at work and I used to see this guy every day and he was one of those annoying people that are happy all the time and, and that, that was Elliot and uh, one day I, I went up to him I was depressed I was you know I was on my last legs and I said to him hey man like why are you always happy it's it's so annoying like get out of here with all your happiness and uh, he goes oh man what are you talking about he started laughing and you know he was always high on life and uh he was the first ever person that i told about my struggles my weaknesses everything about my dad i told him how i hadn't spoken to my family for a long time and the first thing he said to me was um i don't know what you're going through i have absolutely no idea but i want to let you know that i've got your back whatever you need he goes i promise you um i'll help you get to a better place and uh, he ended up um, setting me up to see a counsellor and um, he ended up uh, encouraging me through that whole process and a lot of my content comes from just that little relationship over that little wee period of um, him constantly turning up for me Um, when it got ugly he kept turning up and never judged me never mocked me about any of this and the fact of the matter is he was a businessman and uh, he lives in America now. He's got heaps of money, and I still got no money. <laughs> but uh, 
this but du- you're happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this, this guy saved my life. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's a constant reminder that, you know, we just don't know. Yeah. Um, anybody could be Elliot to anyone's lives. And, yeah. and I always encourage people that, you just don't know what you could be doing for someone simply by either saying hello or asking how they're really doing because you know we have the standard this default there as soon as we ask how someone's doing the automatic reply is always i'm good mm-hmm. whereas like do we ever dig deeper or do we ask again and so he asked me three times on this day if i was good and it took me three times to to break yeah. um, to the truth. And um, but the, I guess he's always been a a, a big um, person in my life. And I haven't spoken to him for a few years. But he lives in America. He started this thing called Push Pay. I don't know if you guys know about it. Um, so yeah, he he doesn't even know that I have spoken about him um, to like hundreds, of thousands of people wow. um, about him. And so, yeah, he he was a huge thing, and and obviously my dad because once I found out about my dad, and I kind of hit him up about everything, and I said, well, why did you, why didn't you guys tell me that you weren't my real dad, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and he said to me that he never wanted um, me to ever find out that I wasn't, because he always wanted to be my dad wow you know and so he'll always be a huge um idol to me because any dude that um steps in and takes over you know in these spaces are you know he's he's an amazing man he's he's probably the reason why i'm a workaholic today you know is because he's he just never stops so um i think those are the two most uh influential people that have gotten me to where i am today and obviously mike he's been a huge influence on my speaking um career and uh i think if i hadn't have had the opportunity to share um a lot of what i do now um a lot of it yeah comes back to him um helping me through navigate for over the last few years so um yeah pretty grateful mate if you um not sort of time sort of running out i guess in some ways but if you have to um and I'll throw out a gem there for peop- for our listeners, yeah. for young people, and for us. Yeah. Mm. What would there be? It could be more than one, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I always go back to um, what my mum once told me: as uh, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. Yeah. And um, you know, you could look at it on so many different lenses. And uh, I always say to people: if you are walking past people that are struggling and you don't step in to do something, yeah. uh, then that's a standard that you've accepted. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's through money, whether it's through giving of your time, or just being a good person. Yeah. Uh, I honestly believe that if we change our own standards. Uh, especially the standards that we're walking past every day, um, we could change the future of um, not only this nation, but everything that's around us. So I think although we can't change the world, Mm. um, we can change the world around us easily just by simply changing the standards that we walk past every day. Um, I Am Hope has one goal, positive societal attitudinal change. Um, Ty, I I love the fact you came out today. We completely appreciate your time. I can see the passion and the energy that you you put into your role and how seriously you take it. So I appreciate your time today. Um, Where can everyone find I Am Hope? Um, Online, uh, social media, um, 
the websites just google um uncle google you find everything on there <laughs> uh ty once again appreciate your time and we hope to get you on again in the future awesome thank you so much thanks for having thanks me much. Yeah. Awesome. thanks for listening to beyond the field if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with your mates or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, you can follow us on Instagram at Beyond the Field Podcast or send us an email at info at beyondthefield.co.nz. Thanks again and we'll see you all next time.